you just have to take like the ego part out of it because totally. it doesn't matter. All you can do is work with what you have at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to not give up in those moments. And that's the cool thing about the longer it gets is that you might sleep for an hour and you can podium still. It goes back to like having no excuses, you know? If you just work with what you have then you have no excuses not to try. Yeah. It's easy to say, hard to do though. When I look at Amanda, I ran the last 50K at Pandera with her. Like I've never seen someone on a mission like that, even though the golden ticket was going to be gone. Her last like nine or 10 miles were faster than any men in the field, literally. And I think she like closed in like a 5.30 to move from like fifth to fourth, but she saw a woman like 200 meters ahead. And I was like, hold on, like, <laughs> this is scary. And I don't know where you find that. Hey guys, it's Kat, your host of Be Rad, the podcast. And I'm so excited to announce our very first podcast sponsor, Delta G Ketones. When they first reached out to me, I was skeptical, but I'd heard of cyclists taking them and having huge breakthroughs in their performance. And then I saw a few trail runners, a few pro trail runners taking them and swearing by Delta G ketones. So obviously I had to give it a go. Um, What I didn't expect is a huge difference in my sleep and recovery. I always toss and turn, sleep is a huge thing for me. And I can say that Delta G really helped knock me out and the cognitive benefits. Um, I've been taking Delta G before a long day of podcasting or before a long day just sitting at the computer either doing edits, coaching, meetings, and I really feel more engaged with my work when I take Delta G. Check out Delta G using the link in my show notes to take the Delta G ketone quiz to figure out which ketones work for you. Woohoo! Thank you guys! Well, we rolling? Cool. Well, welcome to the B-Rod podcast. I'm Kat, your host, and I have um, Amanda and Justin with me, professional ultra runners, parents, advocates for hope with Brave Like Gabe. Um, I like to start with this question with everyone, even if I know them, I've known them you for like eight years or, or someone I'm just meeting, because um, it changes. And how would you guys describe yourself to the community or just in general? Um, well, I guess separately or together? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I'd say I'm, uh, now a mom, um, Mm -hmm. is my first thing more than anything. And an ultra runner and a coach and a wife and all the things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have kids, it changes a lot. So hopefully raising good little humans in that regard, but um, as a whole, I guess I'd describe us as kind of like a partnership, trying to better each other in life and on the trail. And then I think Amanda has a good story where she tries to give people motivation through things, whether it's being a mom or through life in general. And then myself, my day job is a physician, so try to help people out in their path. And then obviously passionately excited about Brave like Gabe, getting people running on hope, I guess. Yeah. It's so crazy because I look at you guys and, like, the first thing I think of is balance, which is ironic because it also seems like maybe a huge lack of balance. (laughs) You know, you guys are always doing everything. But you're, you know, 
balancing grief and new in a new partnership, a day job as a physician with parenting and being a professional runner, being a professional runner and a full-time mom and coaching. Like what advice do you have for people trying to do it all? Because it's crazy. I try to do it all and I'm like exhausted all the time. (laughs) I don't know how you guys do it. Well, you know, before kids, I thought I was, there's no way you can add anything else. Cause I was always doing stuff, grinding really hard, trying to get into this pro runner life, working a full-time job. I had three dogs, just a lot going on then. And I'm like, no way. (laughs) A lot of work. I know. I'm like, no way I could do anything else. And then you have kids and you realize all that was actually really easy and simple. And you just figure it out and you can do more. Like you kind of have to, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, I think not thinking of it as balance is -hmm. a big thing. Whether you have kids or not, it's more like, different things shift in terms of how much time you're going to spend on it at different times of the year. Um, you know, like right now we've been not doing as much stuff with our kids and really focusing on UTMB, but then after this, it'll be a lot of family time and Mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of shifts where your energy goes instead of balancing it. It's more like that balances it overall as a whole instead of being balanced every day. Yeah. It's like the priority shifts and like, you know, something that, I, you know, and I don't know because I'm not a parent, but I coach a lot of parents. And something that's talked about a lot is, you know, mom guilt, especially with the moms when they're away from their kids and focusing on running, even if it makes them happy to do so, to chase their goals. Like, do you have to cope with that? Or how do you, like, how, what would you say to a mom dealing with, you know, mom guilt? Well, I definitely had the mom guilt at first, but I'd say it was really (laughs) (laughs) short-lived. Yeah, I think it's hard because a lot of, I mean, just society, people around you, even if they don't mean to, kind of Mm -hmm. influence that, like making you feel the mom guilt of not being around your kids, um, even if it's like an hour for a run, which is ridiculous. And you just, I think you just have to get over it, like society needs to get over it also and like it makes us better and we can't just be with our kids 24 7 like we're with our kids a ton it's not good for kids either it's totally not yeah it's terrible and that's what I tell my athletes that I coach who like get mom guilt over not having mom guilt you know and I'm like dude trust me it's not good for your kids yeah they're all the time they enjoy their alone time like they become I mean our two and a half year old is already just this independent woman (laughs) she she loves her alone time and just playing with friends and being away from mom and dad although more mom than dad she likes dad a little more (laughs) most days but yeah I mean I think you just have to realize that that time is for you like you're not just a mom you are a mom and it's a big part of your life, obviously, and probably number one, but it, that's not all you are. And you also have to just take the time for yourself to be a better mom. Yeah, totally. And like, I'm just so curious, like, Justin, do you, do you feel that same guilt that is kind of um, so normal for women? I think so. Our scenario is like weird because I'll leave for a week mm-hmm. at a time and then I feel quite a bit of guilt, more so the parental shift of guilt where I'm leaving Amanda solo, momming with two kids that are two and under. So it's more the guilt of responsibility because I'll go work like a 90-hour week and I know that's easier 
than solo parenting for a week, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but I think yeah. it just is because I clock in for 12-ish hours and clock out for 12 hours, but when you're a parent, it's 24-7. So guilt is more the responsibility guilt. And then being gone a week, I miss them a ton. Like, thank God for FaceTime and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also very not fair because the second I get back, I'm like, Superman is back, like the hero, and the kids just love you because you've been gone for a week. <laughs> yeah. So they're like sick of mom, ready for dad. But then it just wears off again. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you feel guilty leaving them, but I know running wise, well, Maeve is a little screecher. She's one years old, and she'll do this screech that sends your cortisol levels to like a million. <laughs> so then it's like you need to go for a run, or yeah. your head might explode. Yeah, these are all you know, very difficult dynamics to deal with as parents, as athletes, but also like in a relationship. And I know, you know, I've talked to, um, you know, our mutual friend and my teammate, Ladia, about, you know, sometimes the resentment (laughs) that happens in these partnerships, especially with children, where there's also like running goals involved. And you guys have this whole other dynamic with you going out for a week working 90 hours where I'm sure you come home exhausted and then you have to like deal with the brunt of the parenting that whole time how do you like you know and I'm sorry to like dive into the relationship (laughs) stuff first but it's something that you know I think a lot of people who are in relationships that you know both partners run it's hard it's something that Carson and I struggle with all the time we don't again we don't have kids and then you know it's already like i have to work and you get to go for a two-hour run you know and um so how how do you guys deal with that you you seem to do so so gracefully yeah i'd say it's not always graceful but the reason it is it's been doable is i'd say mainly because of justin because (laughs) i'm not the best with uh communication i guess like talking things out (laughs) and if we were both like me, I, we might just hate each other because <laughs> uh, you have to just like kind of talk about it and he's way better at that. And so I think him being able to like bring that up and talk out times that we feel maybe resentment for certain things like someone parenting more than the other or whatever, um, then it's all fine after that. But I just like build it up inside and get angry and then my head explodes. <laughs> I think a big thing probably this year we have a nanny who comes five hours a day so we've probably got to spend three plus hours a day like alone together on the trails we run together almost I probably do 85 percent of my mileage with Amanda mm-hmm. and anyone who runs in groups or runs with th- friends I call it like your little therapy session so yeah inevitably if something's bugging you it'll like come out on the run and just talk it through and I think when you're running you're getting like some weird form of anger out anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it's just like that therapeutic run together and hash out life yeah yeah well I feel like that like having the therapy session while you're on a run also just kind of at least for me makes me really relaxed and like more open to it yeah. Instead of like, we're sitting here on the couch oh my talking out our feelings, totally. you know? I think there's something to not being able to see the person yes. you're talking to when you're, you know, 
angry at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> angry, totally... sad, mad, whatever. Exactly. Like all of it's just so much easier. It's so much easier. It's like you're self-processing than yeah. just letting them in on it. Yeah. I think before we had childcare, because we have a nanny now, but our family doesn't live in the state. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of our families do. Mine's in Oregon and his is in Minnesota. And we had no help. So we were switching off and we like never saw each other. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot harder of a situation. And then, yeah, our therapy sessions would have to be like <laughs> sitting on the couch together instead of during the run. And, you know, it just goes a lot better now with yeah uh, being able to run together and talk it out then and not both just be sitting at home with the kids who are getting grumpy all day. And mm-hmm. But that's another thing is like most couples that both of them are professional runners do not do 85% of their running together, yeah. you know, and it usually that's because it doesn't work. <laughs> it's really hard to have to run with your partner all the time, especially when it's both your job, you know, especially when you both have big goals, because like if one person is feeling like shit and the other person feels great, it's like a, you know, obvious. It, but you again, like you guys do it gracefully and if someone isn't feeling great you lift the other person up very publicly and um do you guys ever struggle with that you know with that like you know training together and um also being two highly competitive people I think I have struggles with it but not in the competitive sense like Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no at least on my side and I don't think on Justin's either there's no like oh you're better than me that sort of thing um like I'm not mad about that but I have days where I'm like oh man I really gotta pump myself up for this run because Justin is just gonna push me hard (laughs) I know because his easy day is like my tempo effort Mm -hmm. so sometimes on those days I have to really like just be go ahead of me and if you want to go up this hill fast that's fine I'm walking um yeah and we've done better at kind of doing that but I don't feel like there's any mm, like competitive upset like in that way yeah yeah and I think for me I probably overtrained the last 10 years of my life where coming from like road track background it's like you have to run seven minute miles or faster regardless (laughs) of the terrain whereas now if I do a lot of training at like a nine minute mile like my hopeful pace for CCC is like a 10 to 11 minute mile (laughs) which like any road runners like you're gonna go walk a hundred k, but they don't know what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Like I used to look at trail and be like, "That's pathetic." Like the winner did fifteen minute miles, yeah. But then like I go try to do that, and I'm like, "That's not pathetic." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. When did that shift for you? Because I I like, you know, I've followed your progression the last couple of years, and I feel like it it clicked like maybe in the last year and a half. Or yeah, so. I think just more running together because like. Yeah. When we run together, we run a lot of nine-minute miles, and there's a lot more, like, troubleshooting. And, like, I ran canyons well, I'd say, for me. And it's running eight- to nine-minute pace for nine hours. It's not running six-minute pace yeah. for nine hours. And a lot of guys, I think, the fast guys that will struggle at UTMB, they just don't do enough time slowing down because – inevitably their final pace is going to be a 12 to 13 minute mile for 100 miles like they're not going to run many six minute miles yeah like maybe the last few the first few yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. one mile at a town i know oh my god it's so brutal yeah i think that's made it helpful i mean easier on me because he really just has had to work on going slow 
Yeah. So I'm like, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And I've, I mean, since kids, I've needed to get a little faster. And while you don't need to like sprint every day, it is helpful to run with him sometimes to get myself out of that like slow mountain jog. I know. I mean, like coming out of like years of injury for me, it's been so hard to get out of the slow mountain jog. It's just so comfortable. It is. (laughs) It's so comfortable. And it's so nice to just like la dee da in the mountains and eat your snacks and... And sit in a rock. Yeah. And be like, hmm. <laughs> That's honestly what I'm trying to get out of right now. Just because it, running has hurt for me for so long, I just, like, got so much slower. Um, but I, I need I need to stop that. Yeah, it'll come back. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's a little hard to get out of it. I know, I know. Um, and especially, you know, the reason I asked that question, like, especially when you're getting back into shape, it's really hard to you know, be compared to a partner, I think, sometimes, you know, when sometimes when Carson and I run together these days, and it's just so far off from how fit I used to be, and he's very fit, like, he's a natural athlete, runs, like, 15 miles a week, and is very fit, (laughs) you know, it's annoying. Those are the the most frustrating people. Uh, I'm like, (laughs) Like, why don't you do the ultras? You'd be really good. (laughs) I think he'd actually be really good at the, like, 15 like the Cirque series stuff oh, because yeah, he's yeah. such like a power athlete um well, fun I, stuff yeah yeah that stuff actually is really fun i know <laughs> it's kind of nice i think it's fun because i have no expectations you know yeah, like totally once you start doing the super long stuff and that's kind of your jam you don't expect to go win Cirque series i know but so you the, just go hammer it and have fun yeah totally and it, it is like you know the, the best athletes can do it all. And so, like, working on that stuff is really good for you, too. And just, yeah. like, working on being really competitive for, you know, two hours. Yeah. You know, instead of, like, biding your time for 18 yeah. <laughs> before you start racing. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, well, I think another thing, too, with uh, not really feeling that competitive or, like, being upset if he's doing better, I think it helps that Justin's really good. Like... I think he's been, had to learn a lot in ultra running, Mm -hmm. but I know his potential is like so far, like up there with like men I would never expect to compete with, Yeah, you know? So it's like, so we're, we're just on such different scales. It's like, I'm not really comparing myself to him. Yeah, totally. Which might make it like a little easier too. Yeah. 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 Um, because then you're just chasing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but, but like, I also think it's probably easy for you because, you know, which leads me into my next question is, like, something that I've admired about you, and I've known you for, like, almost 10 years, and something I've always admired about you is just your you're fucking tough and like nothing, you know, there's sometimes that, that, you know, a lot of people, once they are at the top, you know, their, their mental game gets, you know, becomes weak um, just because it's, you know, a lot of pressure, their sponsor obligations, but you're like such a consistent racer. Um, how, <laughs> like, you know, where do you draw that confidence? And I, I mean, it's well-deserved, but even for the people where it's well-deserved, like it's, it's hard to hold on to. And that's super impressive that you've been able to, and that you're just so steady with your game. Well, I mean, that's very nice of you to say, but I think I've definitely had um, my moments of, the pressure of the sponsorships and kind of yeah uh, dragging in the mental side. But I don't know. I feel like there's been enough 
life stuff. And not that I've had the hardest life of anyone. There's, I mean, there's so many people who've had harder stuff go on, but just the life stuff that happens makes running seem a lot more simple. And like, while it, it is hard and you have bad days and I've walked my hundred milers and mm-hmm. gutted it out, it's just like, you can still do it and it's fine. And you're like choosing that pain. And so even if it is painful and hard, it's like, it's still something you chose to do. And in, in the whole scheme of life, it's really not that bad. Yeah. I think that's what goes through my mind in most cases. I mean, when I got into it initially, when I was younger and faster and kind of learning, um, I definitely gave up a little easier, but I just made it this rule. So I did run rabbit as my first hundred attempt mm-hmm. and I made it 70 miles and I dropped and it was awful. It's so awful to drop. I don't know why it just sucks. Unless you have a bone sticking out, you know, like some sort of injury going on or some health concern. But if you just drop because you're being a baby, it really sucks. And I just never got over it. And I made the decision then uh, that I would never drop if it was just because I was just whining. Yeah. And if if it's a health issue, if my bones are broken, whatever, then yeah. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I'm not dropping. I don't care how long it takes me. I don't care if... Performance goals are completely out the window, which yeah. has happened quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that's, that's helps too, because you never have that thought. Like the thought doesn't even come through my mind. Yeah, totally. I tell people, like, if you can keep going, keep going. Yeah. Like if you can't, like if you're, if it's physically possible, <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, because otherwise it does become too easy. You yeah. Know? It becomes so easy. Run Rabbit was my first DNF too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that race with the fires and it's so warm and you can just sit there. Oh. I know. Well, for me, I um, took an emergency blanket. I didn't pack enough stuff at Summit Lake and I ran away with it and I didn't know that that disqualified me. Oh. So they like put, yeah, I was like not that mad that it happened, <laughs> but they, I was like, I'm not getting in the truck. But anyway, oh, sure. it was so brutal. But then after it was like so devastating. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah, but it's not even just like your ability to finish a race or to gut it out. It's like your ability to compete. You know, even when the performance goals aren't aren't there or like even if they're still there, you know, t- your Tarawara this year, you'd probably say, you know, your performance goals went out the window, but you still were ran a strong race considering how much you'd been racing, you know, um, where like that's where a lot of people struggle is is giving up when their performance goals, even if they finish, like you know, giving yeah. up racing. Yeah. How do you stay in it? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Terror was a hard one. Yeah. I think especially because, well, you know, it helped because of my rule of the DNF or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I went out super hard um, and just died a slow death halfway. And I mean, compared to what I was running. And I thought I had a, a sacral stress fracture. So I was mm-hmm. evaluating if I needed to drop or not because it's really hard to know sometimes if you do have a serious thing or if you're just being a wimp and like looking for excuses. Well, especially with sacral stuff. It's like, yeah. SI stuff can be bad. Well, and I was only nine months postpartum and it was my second hundred K in a five week period, (laughs) which I wouldn't always advise to someone, but I was chasing golden tickets. Mm -hmm. And once I figured that out, I was just like, well, I can't, I, I don't think it's an issue. So I can't drop. I'm just going to like, 
do what I can do. And I think, you know, I don't really know how you learn that or if it's a personality thing, but I'm just like, I think you have to get rid of the ego part Mm -hmm. for sure. Because I was, I mean, I think it would be really easy to drop and feel kind of stupid and embarrassed or something. Cause I went out leading and I was like, I'm going to win this thing. And yeah. then I was very far from winning it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was walking just all the things yeah. and you just have to take like the ego part out of it. Cause totally. it doesn't matter. All you can do is work with what you have at the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it changes. And that's the cool thing about the longer it gets is that you might sleep for an hour and then yeah. you get up and you're still fine. Yeah. Um, and you can podium still, Yeah, you know? And so, and it's really hard to not give up in those moments because it feels impossible. But I think once you're totally fine with just taking the ego out of it and working with mm-hmm. what you have at, at that exact moment, then you just realize that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, like so important. Yeah. The ego is like, the death of good performance it totally is yeah. every time and and it doesn't mean that you're always gonna come back and have this epic finish yeah i mean you might just walk it i mean my 2017 utmb i walked into the finish in 31 hours i think i was still top 20 but which is really good but it was yeah. so far away from what i was going for yeah. And so that wasn't some kind of epic comeback story at all. I just walked my way to the finish. And sometimes that happens. But yeah, um, yeah, you just have to work with what you have at every moment. And I think, I mean, that's important whether you're having a good race or bad race. Mm-hmm. You know, it just helps you kind of stay in the moment and not really worry about what's going on around you. Yeah. And that's like, you know, it goes back to like having no excuses, you know, if you just work with what you have, then you have no excuses not to try. Yeah. Um, it's easy to say hard to do though. It is very hard to do. <laughs> it's yeah. like so hard. And I don't know why, but I've had, I get this really competitive mode, like a few miles to the finish. Oh, same. No matter where I'm at. Same. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so fun though, because I'll just like full send. Yeah. And full sin might be a 10 minute mile at the time, you know? Yeah. But whatever I have at the time that feels like a full effort is just full send to the finish. And I will outkick anyone around me, even if it's for 30th place. Dude, same. I That happened to me at CCC 2021, which is when I, after that I got this MRI where they told me I needed surgery. <laughs> it took me several years, but um, I was like in 20th place sat at champé lock for like two and a half hours and there i sprinted the finish you know yeah sprinted the finish and passed like a bunch of people i mean that's like you know it's good to not lose that um you know and this is for both of you because going with the competitiveness and going with you know how busy both of you guys are and like i find myself packed you know my schedule being packed and being too busy and what seems to fall behind is like the training sometimes. And, um, you know, I think a huge part of that is, you know, we only have so much willpower, you know, willpower is like a battery. Um, and if you drain it, like you don't have, you, you like don't have that energy to train hard or to compete hard. And that's, you know, where I found myself, um, recently, especially, you know, coming back from this, um, where do you guys draw it from? Because both of you are so busy. And is it because now that your parents running has become that break? And so it's not doesn't it's like not a willpower thing or not like a, you know, a, a, you don't have to 
like source from that well or where do you think you guys are able to find like the not just the time but the mental space to train really hard you want to answer that one i think i mean i think we probably are both different i think mm-hmm. for you if i answered for oh, you oh you're answering for me okay you can answer for yourself <laughs> but i think amanda has this desire to be the best mm-hmm. to win like which I think being a professional trail athlete, kind of like at the top of the game, mm-hmm. is like ingrained in you to where I think you enjoy your time outdoors. Like, not we love our kids and love being with them, but you need a couple hours away from them to love them yeah. more. And then Ultra has this new slogan, as cheesy as it sounds, but it's like, get outside to be better inside, which I think really relates to me myself like I know if I get out for a run I'll just be better feel better do everything better like the days I take off and then I work an overnight shift in the hospital I'm more sloppy like I'm slower I'm less efficient whereas when I run that day I'm on my a game and I'm ready to go like my job is super fast super stressed super every like it's just you go for 12 hours and then you go home and pass out but if I don't run it's like I haven't warmed myself up for the shift Mm -hmm. and I think, I've, I mean, this week or the last couple of weeks being in Chamonix, I'm like, why do I do this? Like, I look at this start list and I'm like, look at all these friggin' like phenomenal athletes that I have to race at CCC and I need to have a good day or I need him to have a bad day or I need, you know, you need like all the pieces of the puzzle to come together because in my mind, if I'm 30th place, 50th place, Sponsors don't want to see that, nor do they care about that. Mm -hmm. But if you're like this magical top 10, it's like everything in the world and you're America's hero. So like running OCC last year, I didn't know. It was my first time Chamonix and I got 12th place at OCC, which looking back, I'm like, oh, that's super good. But you're just outside of the top 10. So it's like, did you even race? (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but I think I've ebbed in... Like, it's just a constant balance of finding that competitiveness where I think I've learned it more for trail running. Whereas when I look at Amanda, I ran the last 50K at Bandera with her. And it was, like, crazy doer. Like, I've never seen someone on a mission like that, even though the golden ticket was going to be gone. Her last, like, 9 or 10 miles were faster than any men in the field. Literally, the last, like, which I was, like, running only 50k and I'm like we're moving I think she like closed in like a 530 to move from like fifth to fourth but she saw a woman like 200 meters ahead and I was like hold on like (laughs) this is scary and I don't know where you find that yeah like well I think I mean my like willpower I just love running yeah totally I don't think I know what you mean by like being the best but it's not necessarily being the best I love competing so whether that's, and I guess maybe that's why I have this like weird kick at the end, no matter where I'm at. And it's yeah. like the golden ticket's gone, but it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Because I love the competition of it. Totally. Which is also like, sometimes I'm like, why is my biggest first ultra after having kids UTMB where it's super competitive? Because I just like, I mean, and my answer is like, I just always, I love the competition. Like, I don't really want to go to the 50K down the street where I'd probably win, but no one's there. And yeah, so I think like not just the competition, but I just love running. 
And I think that gets me out of the door even if I'm tired, if I'm sad, if I'm mad, if I'm whatever. Um, even if we have a packed schedule, which we always do. Yeah. Uh, so I think that helps. I mean, yeah. I, I coach myself too. So it's really easy for me to be like, well, I usually love running and right now I really don't. So I'm going to take the day off. Like I can just do that. Yeah, totally. And I just go, that's kind of how I do it too. Yeah. Have you ever gone through like a period of burnout? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Pre-kids more often. Yeah. And it was harder in those moments to shut it down. But so after Terrawera, I had one of those. I was yeah. just like, okay, this golden ticket thing. I just got to slow down. Like, I'm not doing canyons. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was my plan. I was going to take it from Justin and do canyons if I didn't get it at Terrawera. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I've tried. I did everything I could at this moment. And it wasn't like, didn't get me where my goal, but I tried. And that's like all. I and just need a that. break. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pre-kids, like, um, what did those those periods of burnout look like? I think pre-kids, it felt a little bit more like, uh, well, I shouldn't take, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I mm -hmm. just need to tough it out a little longer or whatever. And I would end up over racing or yeah. something. Um, I think, well, so I had become, like, the full-time professional runner. Originally... I had worked a normal job up until March 2019. Mm -hmm. And so I only had the full-time runner gig with no kids, no nothing, for a year. Mm -hmm. And it was going in a direction of your typical, like, maybe I shouldn't only have running in my life. Yeah. Because it gets a little hard. When that's all you have going, it kind of feels like, well, why? Like, what else am I going to do? Like, I shouldn't yeah. have this attitude. Like, I should be doing this. It's also my job. You yeah. know, and it's a little harder to shut it down. Yeah. I think something that differs with trail running, though, is why it's... And I think it's trending in the direction of, like, a lot more people will be more full-time. Um, is that the the rest piece isn't there. You mm -hmm. know, where, like, you know, I was talking to someone um, about, like, the... Um, uh, like a, the, one of the pro teams, pro track teams in Colorado. And they were like, yeah, who is a trail runner now who's on that team? Who is like, yeah, just like in between practices, they just watch TV, you know? And that's something that's not there in trail running. Or yeah. Like it's not like that rest piece or in the over racing is there. It's like, we're not out there doing 1500s, you know? Yeah. We're out there doing like minimum 50K, which that alone is like, you know, we do that as a hard training run. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. It's, it's wild. So I think, you know, for me, that led to, to some major burnout. Like in my first year, you know, I did that, you know, I was a teacher and then I signed, um, I signed my first pro contract, you know, coach like 10 athletes, but was still getting severance from teaching and was like, I'm not going yeah. to work. <laughs> Why would I do that? But then I ended up like so overtrained. It was yeah. crazy. And I look back now and I was like, oh, I was racing once a month. You yeah. know? And it becomes the norm, you know, because yeah. like trail running such this like small group of people in like, if you think yeah. of the whole world, totally. it's a pretty small group of people. And we end up, it's such a lifestyle. You're around those people all the time. And so it seems very normal. Yeah. Everyone's racing it once a month, whatever. And it the short version is like 50K, yeah. you know. And it's so hard. <laughs> 50K is a yeah. long race still. Yeah. And I think it's easy. I think it can be really easy to 
burnout. So you just need maybe not like a job, but you just have to like, yeah, build in that recovery factor or like maybe an activity that is yeah. not uh, running, being outside. Yeah, I know. You know, I think I remember when we went on a training run, I think I was telling you I wanted to learn guitar so that I had an activity that wasn't active. Yeah. But then I had kids and trying to learn guitar went out the windows. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when I was recovering this spring, I was all of a sudden like, you know, everything I do is active. Like yeah. every person I see, everything I do. So I like was a hermit. I didn't see anyone for like six weeks. It was terrible. And I got like super into fantasy. <laughs> Which, you know, wasn't necessarily good either. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely a problem in trail running because then when you get injured, like it's not just your thing is gone. It's like all your people. Yeah. Too, you know, and your hobby and all your hobbies. And, yeah. Like, you can't even like go for a walk. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so like with that, you know, how has, you know, with the, you know, busyness of your schedule and having to, you know, really embrace the times that you do get to run and just like, you know, let the rest of the stuff be how for both of you, like, how has your relationship with running, um, changed as parents? Well, you want me to go first or you? You can go. I think, I think mine has become more of, I mean, I know I'm going to do it every day, but I kind of make it work with life a little more instead of life working around running. Mm -hmm. And that just makes it a lot easier too, honestly, because you're just like, oh, I may have planned for a three hour run, but I have time for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And whatever. It just is what it is. Yeah. And so I think I do, I do a lot better doing that now than Mm -hmm. I used to in the past where you're just like follow the schedule and do what you have to do and and maybe and I think that's really beneficial with like everything else it helps like helps you chill when you need to and just have a better like mental game around it also totally well and the thing is too it's like when you only have 30 minutes for a run and you try and like do the full three hours somehow that I feel like that's when it starts to eat into like that willpower battery yeah because you're like so stressed about getting there on time you're stressed about getting the run in at the same time like if you're so busy that that keeps happening and your three-hour runs keep turning yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that is what's been happening to me (laughs) um well I feel like we had we definitely had phases of that yeah like um and sometimes it does go for a month two months three months and you're like damn, I got to change something. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I think... think There's a lot of teamwork, though. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. It's Saturday. I'll take the kids for eight hours. Like, you just do what you need to do. Like, do your massage, do your recovery, do your anything, and, like, get it all in. But then you have to, like... The only hard part is you're forced to do it that day. Because, like, if we... Like, if you're doing your magnolia run and back stopping for coffee getting your croissant yeah it takes me six hours (laughs) yeah it's a six hour effort yeah and the hard part is sometimes by the time she's home like Maeve's screamed at me for the last two hours ryland's in like her no phase and i'm just like so zapped i'm like i just can't run today but like you just have to like leverage it back and forth some days Mm -hmm. yeah i think the teamwork part has definitely helped like not having long days on the same day and 
having off days on different days or something. And some days you're at complete exhaustion and then you have two tiny things just crawling on you and you yeah. just want to take a nap. I know. I yeah. was going to ask about that, like the parenting post run. Oh, I'll like know? beg yeah. Ryland to take a nap. I'm like, please, like, <laughs> oh, like <laughs> near tears. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember. So when we went to Bandera this year, I it was our two-year-old's birthday the day before the race. And so we had her, we had a little birthday cake for her and stuff and her little birthday party. It wasn't much, but it was just like at our Airbnb after the race. And so we were, I mean, we were doing stuff instantly, even me. I mean, I could barely walk, but it actually helped me um, feel a little better since I was forced to walk. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of cramming everything in. But I guess like, I feel like you're like, do you think your um, feelings towards running have changed? No, I mean, I've always used it as a, like, way to decompress. And I think with kids, that's still necessary. I mean, some days, I think the hardest thing is sometimes I don't want to leave them. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you're being really good. Like, let's just hang out and eat bacon and eggs. And like, chill. <laughs> and the man is like, let's go. And I'm like, it's like quality time. Yeah. So sometimes it's harder to get out the door. But like, sometimes you just need to. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to be an angry parent. In about, like, 10 minutes, I need to go run. Or, yeah. Like, because yeah. they know. They're, like, really smart, and they're really manipulative. <laughs> and they know how to push your buttons exactly. It's yeah. just funny. I don't know where they get all their manipulations from, but... Yeah. It's cute, though, watching them, you know, develop personalities and stuff. And now our two-and-a-half-year-old is like, I'm going to go for a run. I'm putting on my running shoes. And then she grabs our pack and puts this giant pack on her and says she's going for a run and it's really cute yeah. <laughs> and then what happens next <laughs> well sometimes we go outside and she runs run around. like 100 meters with me at the start of my run and yeah she says carry me so i carry her back home <laughs> and go for my run it's about like how race goes i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hilarious um i liked how the Justin said they're manipulative, and your follow-up was, it's cute, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute until they're driving you nuts. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) totally. Um, You know, having... I I saw you guys um, post on that uh, thing um, about, you know, Corinne made that video talking about um, women's representation in sports. And it's something that, like, you know... I get complacent in too. It's like, I uh, can't fight it. Has yeah. having daughters change that for you guys? It is hard because I think I get that attitude sometimes where I'm yeah. like, like, what's the point? <sighs> it is what it is. You put, which is terrible. Like it, it is that way and you have to do something about it to get it to change. But it just feels like impossible. Like you put all this effort into it, and nothing's gonna change anyway. So why even why worry about it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for sure having daughters makes that different. You know, because mm-hmm. I want them to want to do those things and know that they that they can do it too, and not feel like oh, this is a boys' sport. Like boys do sports, girls play with dolls. Whatever is totally. the normal thing that they see. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that helps with wanting to make that different. Yeah. And how would you talk to someone with daughters who is, like, you know, frustrated with the representation 
in women's sports in general, but, like, is is feeling complacent and defeated, but, like, wants to, you know, talk to their daughters that this is wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, you want to go first? I, I mean, I'm way newer to trail running than yeah. you both are, and I have always felt, like, a little bit of an outsider in trail running. I feel like trail running's, like, in some ways the worst kept secret, but it's it's not a very inclusive or equitable sport at all. Like, yeah. I think trail running probably has the most ways to go, especially it seems a lot more inclusive here in Europe, but, like, in the States, the barrier to entry for a lot of people, I think, is incredibly high, which is unfortunate, and I could definitely advocate for that more. But then with, like, parents, it's, like, I think the best way to get women's coverage would be a bunch of kick-ass women being like i'll hold gopro and i'll film this Mm -hmm. like yeah let's go do it like let's make it happen like i don't think i've and granted i'm a man so maybe they have men film the men but i've never seen aside from ally mack a couple years back she was doing like live filming for aravipa she's super fast super killer she could drop me at any point in the race but that was the first time i'd seen a woman with like a gimbal and a GoPro or whatever doing the live stream. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's on women to do it. I think it's on races to do it, but I'd love to see women just step up and be like, we're going to film the women. Like, here's your top 10. Yeah, like, totally. Tell you yeah. say like, got Fund us. 10, kick- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got 10 kick-ass women, get us GoPros, phones, live feeds, and we'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do think in order to actually make that stuff happen, we do just have to, like, do it. Yeah, like go out there and do it. I and think not that it's women's fault or men's fault. Like yeah. one specific person, it's everyone. Like everyone has to just you're right help with it. I think part of it is that, um, and I've just like had some of these conversations with sponsors and with, um, you know, some initiatives that are some really good initiatives that's going on around right now around um, women's trail running and. Uh, part of the issue is that there's so much funding for like Air Viper has so much funding they're like kick money back to some of those people but if it's like a bunch of independent women giving their time to film you're right they should absolutely do it but a lot of times with all the permits and stuff and it's like putting it out on platforms that gets super complicated <laughs> you yeah, know it's like yeah. wait yeah. I've just learned so much about it in the last couple of years and that like that is it takes for Air Vipa to do that and for UTMB series to do it for I Run Far and all these people. It's like a very, not only is it a big effort, but it's an expensive effort. Yeah. Um, that like, you know, it would have to take funding from, from somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And yeah. even with that, even if there were 10 women here at UTMB who were like, yeah, we're going to go help film. They can't. Yeah. The rules against it. There's, like, they can't exactly. just jump yeah. out there. No, I just wonder if, like, you made enough of a stir that they'd just give you 10 of the yeah. lead men's spots. Yeah, maybe they like, would. Like, give more media passes or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've, I'm a very simplified, like, version of things. Like, I think you having a voice in this sport, like, a podcast is huge. Like, it seems like all we ever get are these, like, built-up organizations. Like, Dylan's a great dude, but, like, Free Trail, like, he lends a voice to women as well through Mm -hmm. his channel but it seems like the typical american ceo structure where the top is always a man yeah yeah Yeah. to some extent yeah and that's what the voice is so just 
trying to take the reins the best you can, like having... And I honestly, that is, you know, I... That's why I started the podcast. You know, I've said it over and over again. It's because, like, A, you know, in order to just, like, compete with the men's contracts, I have to, as a woman, have to have something extra aside from just being a runner. I have to be, like, a runner and a podcast host. But also, it's... There's... I was looking at it, and there's, like, no other female podcast hosts that, you know, can talk about, like, oh, my God, like... (laughs) what's it like having a baby and then running nine months later? That's crazy, you know, (laughs) you know, and, um, and I, I was sick of like the same thing over and over again. I was very jaded by running podcasts and I, and I wanted something else. So, um, but it is hard like to do this. It's, it's so hard. And like, I've like heard that my voice is annoying and like stuff like that. And it's, it is just like different and it's, it's frustrating. Well, yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, that takes so much of your time. You buy all this equipment, you know, Dude. it's like, it's a lot. When yeah. you put yourself out there. Like, it is. I'm sure my my voice, when I hear it recorded, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, how does anyone listen? I, know. Like, I, no I tell Carson, I'm like, you can't play that in front of me. <laughs> I got a post and ghost. I can't listen to any of it. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is hard. And it is, like, even for you guys, like, I've known Amanda forever. And I, like, before everyone, it, I'm nervous. You yeah, know, for, yeah. no, it's just talking to friends but it's still nerve-wracking you know yeah. and then you put it out there and cross your fingers <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? well probably and, um part of the nerves is just knowing there's going to be backlash first no matter what you do literally no matter what <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think something kind of fun like how you would tell people to help you know um and like how you're helping with the podcast it's like it might feel like you know i don't know if you feel like this if it kind of feels like a small thing and you still mm-hmm. don't feel like you're really helping much. Um, even though it's totally not like, it's like one of those steps that actually is a lot bigger than it might feel mm-hmm. in this moment. You know, um, Claire told me, and we both know Claire Gallagher. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's going to know Claire Gallagher. Yeah. Listens to this probably, but I always liked her point of view on it because she's such a big, um, advocate for so many things really. Yeah. And she always does it in such a good way of, like, never making people feel bad that they, like, need to dedicate their life to helping this specific cause. She always was like, do what you can. Because each little step that everyone does builds, even though it feels small, like, builds up to this bigger thing. Yeah. And that's what makes a difference. And it might sound cheesy and whatever, but it's so true. And so any little thing you can do, like the video that we made for gender equality totally was not I mean I was asked to be a part of it I'm not going to take credit for that at all yeah but um I was happy to be a part of it Matt and um Corinne yeah were the ones who came up with it and just asked both of us to be a part of it and even just those small things it and seems it, like totally helps. and it is I I think I do think like that post was not a small thing I think that was yeah. like a big thing actually but it's it's true like every small thing the conversations the like you know saying no it that's not okay when it's super uncomfortable you know um to like even just appear and explaining why you know that because sometimes it's like you know it's hard to 
some people just don't even understand why it's a problem, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so what? <laughs> yeah. Men's sports are more interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it just, like, and that is, a, you know, is a small thing, just saying, like, it's not true, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, like, awesome video, you guys, I think that was, like, a big thing, you know? And it, it does feel overwhelming all the time to, you know... But that's that's cool, and I do think that's a really good point. I think that can be taken for, like, advocating for women's sports to, um, like, the Brave Like Gabe Foundation, you know, which is such a huge movement, you guys. It's, you know, I, I, I want to tell you that I um, have had quite a few interactions with Phil, who you guys um, know, and he, like, at Leadville, I ran him in at Twin Lakes just because he's part of Brooks and... And he started crying. Like, he was oh. just so happy to be a part of it. And he was like, this has already changed my life. And, um, but that, you know, I'm sure sometimes, like, the little things you guys do with that, you know, the little actions that make up Brave Like Gabe have changed so many people's lives. Um, and then, like, environmentally, too, you know, we, like, we travel so much that it's so, it's, like, really terrible, especially uh, Carson and I. But, you know, just, being like, I'm not gonna like drink this little tiny plastic water bottle from yeah. from the airplane because this seems awful. Um, yeah, so that's an awesome point. Um, well, we're running out of time here, but uh, one of my favorite questions that I ask guests and what I like to wrap up on is, you know, you guys are both well known um, for a lot of things, and you guys both have a lot to be proud of. But I like to ask this to so we can all get to know you guys a little bit better. And and what's something that both of you are proud of that, you know, the audience who knows you might not know? Oh, man, might not know. You want to go first? I got to think for a second. Oh, okay. He can be anything, not really anything. Related. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, I think this, whatever, it might be cheesy, What. I don't care. It usually is. <laughs> um, I think I'm just most proud of like having our daughters and just, yeah. I mean, they're only, they're really young, but so far they're good little humans, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and hopefully we can keep them that way. Yeah. I mean, in the scheme of life, people do know this, I guess, but I'm proud in life when like losing Gabriel, I guess I was able to get back out there and in doing so meet Amanda and in relativity, I don't think I could find a better person to be a mom for my daughters, which makes me really proud and excited every day. So yeah, on top of getting to spend a lot of really great time together, I think the way she manages our family is pretty special too because she does basically everything from being the travel agent the race signer upper reminding me i have bid pickup to <laughs> making sure people are tucked in at night so it's pretty great yeah that's cool i was like talking um or writing these questions actually and i was like man it's you guys are so cool because you're an example to so many people that there's like there's happiness after the worst thing happens you know um and i think that's a, a something that a lot of people need to see you know and, and hear especially you know there's 
for everyone dealing with something in, with mental health. Like, I lost a really good friend to suicide this year. It's just like, I wish she would have known that there was good after. Yeah. I'm about to cry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you can do it. It's okay. I think, yeah, and like you were alluding to Phil's story, um, just happenstance. I, he is someone who is an incredibly remarkable human being and has so much of a story. So that's why Brave Like Gabe has been super... I think it's like the best thing and the worst thing in the world because when you include yourself in a community of people that are struggling, and he's, for all practical purposes, past struggle onto living like mm-hmm. a second chance at life, but it's super hard. And yeah. you fall in love with people as friends who still could have a timeline and you're hopeful we can find a cure, find a treatment, find something, but you don't always. So yeah. it's a constant reminder of how fragile a life is. And I think it really keeps you in the now. And I think that's something I'm super appreciative to have. Yeah. Even though it's hard. Totally. I mean, you might not always find a cure though, but it really is like giving them hope. And so even when, I mean, it's cool to watch with the foundation, like the people involved in it, um, like Joel, like while even though they might have a timeline, like their time right now is just like, it's just helping them give hope and um, have a sense of community that just really helps. Like when you have a diagnosis like that. Yeah. Like, my brother didn't pass away from cancer, but if he had just had some sort of community like that, I think that would have really helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, he struggled with addiction and passed away a few years ago. But, yeah, I think he was just lonely. And, like, I bet a lot of people are just really lonely when they're in those situations. And when you have yeah. a community, it helps just give you hope. Yeah, totally. Well, anything else, you guys? Any last words? No, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, um, thanks for having us. And for doing what you do. Thanks. I'm right back at you guys. It's really <laughs> cool. Cat out. <laughs> <laughs>